0: Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the Need to Know podcast. We have a big show on hand for you today examining one of the most fascinating parts of the knee. Furthermore, in the second half, we have a special guest with an abundance of experience in this field. With all that being said, let's jump right into our very first topic. There are four main ligaments in the human knee. The posterior cruciate ligament the medial collateral ligament, the lateral collateral ligament, and most popularly known, the anterior cruciate ligament, commonly known as the ACL. The ACL is the most essential ligament in the knee because it has to resist all kinds of motion while still providing the structural support to the knee. The ACL is an intra-articular ligament, essentially What that means is that it has to go through the center of the knee joint as opposed to other ligaments which are along the outer edges. It passes through the thigh bone known as the femur and the tibia commonly referred to as the shin bone. By allowing these bones to move relative to each other the knee is able to bend, compress, and extend. The knee is able to complete these motions when the ACL functions properly similar to how a spring would work by changing in length when needing to provide more support. Unfortunately, the reason the ACL is the most popular ligament in the knee is because it is the most frequently injured. According to a study conducted by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, ACL injuries impact as many as a quarter of a million Americans every year. These injuries occur when a sudden stop motion or a sudden direction change occur. Anterior cruciate ligaments deteriorate with time just like any other body part, but due to the high activity that comes with youth sports, many who end up tearing their ACL will do so before they're even 30. After experiencing an ACL tear or sprain, swelling, tenderness, limited range of motion, and significant pain are all common symptoms individuals experience. To determine the severity of ACL injuries, there is a grade system ranging from 1 to 3. A grade 1 injury stretches the ligament beyond its capability but not enough to tear it, so the knee remains functional. A grade 2 injury is a partial tear leaving the ligament loose and unable to provide full stability. And finally, a grade 3 injury is the result of an extreme stretch severing the ligament in two. With no connecting piece between the thigh and shin bone anymore, there is no structural support, making normal knee activity almost impossible. Due to the reduced severity of grade 1 injuries, Simple home remedies like knee compression, taking anti-inflammatories, and lots and lots of ice are all it takes to heal. Unfortunately, the more common grade 3 injury requires invasive surgery to reattach the leg bone's connecting piece. The surgery process for grade 3 tears starts with many small incisions after the patient has been put under anesthesia. The first incision is to hold a thin video camera in place to inspect the damaged ligament without needing to expose the entire knee. The following incisions after that are for access to the joint to remove the damaged or torn ligament and replacing it with a graft from an adjacent part of the knee. The graft is secured by drilling sockets into the thigh and shin bone and secured using screws. The graft will now act as building blocks for new ligament tissue to grow upon and heal. Now with the constant advancement of medical technology in the modern world, more people are left wondering if the current practice is the best possible option. Dr. Martha Murray of Boston University was unsatisfied with the current reconstruction process of a torn ACL, so she reinvented the graft. Murray manufactured a hydrophilic scaffold capable of acting as a new ACL and was cleared to take her product into experimental trials. The benefit of Murray's innovation would clear ACL victims from needing the common invasive surgery and only require a moderate procedure. After three months of examining a control and experimental group, There were no outliers in the form of pain levels and magnetic resonance images. Confirming to this point, Murray's method is comparable. Now with some background knowledge on this topic, we'll be right back on the other side of this break with more information you need to know, including an interview with a special guest of mine. Welcome back to the Need to Know podcast. I'm being joined by a great friend of mine and a phenomenal individual, Alyssa Miller. Alyssa, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fine. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. So how much do you know about ACLs?
1: I'd say I know a decent amount considering I've torn my own.
0: So how did you tear your ACL?
1: I actually tore mine differently than how most people tear theirs. So, a normal ACL tear is done by the twisting or a hit to the side of the knee. Right. And mine was just pure blunt force trauma between my body and the ground. I was actually doing gymnastics at the time. And when I managed to hurdle and do the skill I was attempting, it was a front flip straight body full twist. As I hurdled and hit the ground, getting ready to do my front flip. There was a loud pop and shift in my knee, and I kind of forward rolled, and I immediately knew something was wrong.
0: Wow. So, how'd you end up getting out of that, getting out of that situation?
1: My coach ran over, because I was freaking out, and like, oh my god, something's wrong, my knee popped, and she was just trying to calm me down, Mm -hmm. and... I think my adrenaline, like, it went down, and I walked out of the gym. Wow.
0: So, you had a clean tear in your ACL, that's that's correct?
1: Yeah, straight through.
0: So, th- uh, grade three injury. So, then was the surgery process for you immediate?
1: I had surgery probably two or three weeks later. Um, normally it would be about a week after the tear but um, the surgeon who had done my previous knee surgery was out of town and I wanted him to do it again since he did such a great job with my first knee surgery.
0: Okay so what was that pre-surgery process like in those weeks leading up to it and then the day of?
1: I did physical therapy before my surgery to prepare my quad uh, muscle for the actual surgery. That was about it. I mean, I did low-intensity exercises at home, and yeah.
0: Mainly just a lot of sitting in bed, resting, obviously. Not a lot of physical activity.
1: Um, There was no, like, strenuous exercise, but I was still i went to a concert oh wow and i went to my high school freshman open house Mm. i just had my big giant knee brace on that prevented my knee from bending very far oh wow
0: so day of the surgery take take me through that what what did you experience what were you thinking at the time
1: Okay, so the surgery was scheduled for 7 a.m. Because it was an outpatient surgery. And so I got there at 5.45 in the morning. Obviously, I hadn't eaten or drinking anything in 12 hours. Mm -hmm. I got there. They iodine cleaned and nerve blocked my leg. And... Yeah, I started to be a little out of it because I was on drugs. Mm-hmm. The good kind of drugs. Right. And uh, from there, they took me into the uh, operating room and they made me take out my headphones because I was a little anxious. So I was listening to music to calm me down. Sure. And I saw my best friend's dad, and he was assuring me that everything was okay. Mm-hmm. Because he's a surgeon there, too. He wasn't the one performing my surgery, though. Okay. They put the mask over my face, had me count down from 10, and I'm pretty sure I got to about 8. <laughs> um, I honestly don't remember anything after that, from that day. I was told that I tried to uh, fight my nurse <laughs> when I was coming off of the anesthesia. I was very fidgety, apparently. Oh, no. And my dad carried me to the car to get me home, and carried me up to my bed. So, I'm pretty sure I just slept the rest of that day.
0: There you go. So, in the days following, what did that what did that look like for you?
1: That is what you would think of, like normal recovery, like bed rest, knee elevated, gotcha. icing. The only time I really left my bed was to go to the bathroom because Mm -hmm. taking my leg from being in an elevated position to having it below my heart, all the blood would rush into my leg and it would really hurt, Mm -hmm. so I would not move unless I really had to.
0: Gotcha. So, obviously once you started feeling better... Did you do any exercises or get to any physical therapy afterwards?
1: I started PT once I was off of the hard drugs. Like, I was on oxycodone because I'm allergic to hydrocodone. And after I was off of that, that's when I started PT. So I want to say five days to a week after my surgery. Okay. Okay. But since it was my second knee surgery, I kind of knew a little bit of, like, how to start. So I do ankle pumps, which is a super easy one to get the blood flowing between your heart and your legs. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, after my leg started hurting less, Mm -hmm. I would become more active. But the second, third, and fourth day after the surgery were probably the most painful days that's when the nerve block was fully worn off okay so you could feel everything right
0: so I heard you say this was your second knee injury how did you hurt your first one
1: I had a previous surgery a year before my ACL on the other knee where I had torn my meniscus I was also doing gymnastics I was doing a front flip straight body one and a half twists I landed but I wasn't fully done twisting so when I landed I was still twisting and I tore my meniscus mm. all the way through and for those of you that don't know the meniscus is the cartilage in your knee that prevents it like cushions the bone
0: so how did tearing your ACL differ from your meniscus
1: when I tore my ACL I knew something was wrong immediately Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I had torn my meniscus until I was on the table because you couldn't see that in an x-ray since I was only 13 at the time I tore my meniscus you couldn't see it in the MRI so I didn't know that I tore my meniscus until I was open on the table
0: so would you consider the acl to be a more devastating more painful injury
1: the recovery process for my acl was a lot more painful than from my meniscus hmm.
0: interesting so but now you're fully healed i am and you have screws many screws in your knee now
1: i have a couple in each knee yeah little clips in there too yep. no plates though
0: there you go so do you have any issues now in the modern day with any of your screws or aggravated pains
1: not really i struggled with um knee weakness for a while mm-hmm. that was probably my main complaint after my surgery but i worked my butt off in pt and so i have full range of motion and i would say my knees are just as strong if not stronger than they were before i tore my acl
0: okay (laughs) so i have another question for you there is these new surgery processes for acl injuries completely torn acls needing a full repair Dr. Martha Murray at the University of Boston has created a new less invasive surgery process very recently in the last couple of years, still going into experimental trials right now. And what she does here is she manufactured a hydrophilic scaffold to act as a new ACL as opposed to taking a graft from a different part of the knee to create some structure do you feel like this is a beneficial way to go about going forward having been through this process would a less invasive surgery have been better do you think
1: my surgery was minimally invasive uh my entire knee was not out on the table it was arthroscopic Mm. so i want to say the difference between the surgery i had and the surgery you're describing is Using an artificial ACL versus using a graft from your own body. Right.
0: Well, I think that's all the questions I have for you then. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: And thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. This will conclude episode one of the Need to Know podcast. Thank you so much and have a good one.